the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, January the 8th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1815, the last major engagement of the War of 1812 came to an end as U.S. forces defeated the British in the Battle of New Orleans. They had not yet gotten word of the signing of the peace treaty. They fought on, but they did not know that the war had ended. Today in 1918, President Woodrow Wilson outlined his 14 points for lasting peace. That was following World War I. Today in 1918, Mississippi became the first state to ratify the 18th Amendment to the Constitution that established prohibition. Elvis Presley was born in Tupelo, Mississippi today in 1935. President Lyndon B. Johnson gave a State of the Union address today in 1964 in which he declared an unconditional war on poverty in America. Today in 1982, American Telegraph, Telephone and Telegraph, AT&T, they settled the Justice Department's antitrust lawsuit against it by agreeing to divest, uh, divest itself into 22 Bell System companies. And 10 years ago today, U.S. Representative Gabrielle Giffords, Gabby Giffords, Democrat from Arizona, was shot and critically wounded when a gunman opened fire. She was meeting with constituents in Tucson. Six people were killed. Twelve others were injured. The gunman, Jared Lee Loeffner, he was sentenced to, in uh, 2012, in November of 2012, he was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences plus 150. 40 years. Yesterday I mentioned a verse, shared it with you from Psalm 27. I'd like to go back to that psalm today and pick up and read a few more verses from that psalm. It begins, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But it continues. I'm not going to read all of it, but let me share a few verses from that psalm. Though I Though an host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, and this will, I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Then the psalmist writes, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. 
Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the, hand of, in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I have a lot to say today. There's much to talk about. We talk about the news. We talk about what's going on in our culture, in our country. And we do so every day, as you know, from a biblical perspective. There's much to talk about today. I won't get through all of it. But let me just say this. The the enemies of biblical Christianity are rising. We're distracted right now because of the political unrest, and it is humongous. I mean, it's unlike anything we've seen in our lifetime, for sure. But there is, in that same spirit, embedded in that spirit of resistance to Trump and to tens of millions of evangelicals who voted for him, there is a kind of resistance that is also embedded in the resistance to biblical Christians who honestly believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, who honestly believe that abortion is murder and it's wrong in the eyes of God. That same resistance that you're seeing today is embedded in the resistance to biblical Christians. Now, Christianity is fine. If you just claim to be a Christian and you say, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Christian, I'm a devout Catholic, Joe Biden often says. Kamala Harris, her pastor says she's very devout, she's there all the time, she attends church when she can, and so on in Oakland. Well, that's great. But I'm not talking about people who attend church or even identify as Christians. I'm talking about biblical Christianity. I think we need to brace ourselves because I think we're going to see some challenges that we haven't seen before to our faith. But ultimately, there's good news. God is faithful and God is in control. Yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg announced that he has blacklisted President Donald Trump from both Facebook and Instagram, which they own, because Mark believes that Trump will try to use his platforms to provoke violence and undermine the peaceful transfer of power. He said, I'm banning him indefinitely, but we'll see. This follows Twitter's blocking of Trump's account for the same reasons. I believe this is a sign of things to come. Saul Alinsky taught his followers to never let a crisis go to waste, and they don't. Zuckerberg and Dorsey, who heads up Jack Dorsey, who heads up uh, Twitter, they're heeding the call. Alinsky's call and Karl Marx's call and those who followed him, Gramsci and others. So will Vice President-elect Harris and the far-left radical tribe that President-elect Yeah, he is president-elect now. Biden is gathering around himself. Religious freedoms, deeply held biblical beliefs, they're going to be targeted. I think it would be foolish of us to simply put our head in the sand and say, well, you know, I don't want to know about all that. Yeah, we need to know about it. But we need not to be overcome by it. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We must be informed, not misled. Following the events on Capitol Hill Wednesday, Mark Zuckerberg announced, quote, The shocking events of the last 24 hours clearly demonstrate that President Donald Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor, Joe Biden. Zuckerberg said that Trump's access to the platform will be banned indefinitely. He went on to say on his personal Facebook account, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and chairman of Facebook, and they also own Instagram. He went on to say on his personal account that rather than risk the site becoming a platform for similar statements, like Trump statements, Facebook and subsidiary Instagram are muzzling Trump at least until Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, but leaves an extended ban possible. It depends on how Mark Zuckerberg evaluates Trump's behavior, Trump's words, and how Zuckerberg interprets Trump's behavior and words to be a possible future threat. Let that sink in for a moment, and then know that Michelle Obama, last night, she began making statements publicly. She has tons of followers. She's calling on big tech, the masters of the universe, as they're sometimes called, to ban President Donald Trump from their platforms, not just not just through January 20. But Michelle Obama said last night, I quote, Now is the time for Silicon Valley companies to stop enabling this monstrous behavior and go even further than they already have by permanently banning this man from their platforms and putting in place policies to prevent their technology from being used by the nation's leaders to fuel insurrection. Go, Mark, go. Yay. We're cheering you on. Zuckerberg said this, we should remember, he said, his following Trump's call for peace, but he didn't mean it. My point is, at the moment, the big tech guys, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, and their enablers, the Obamas and others who cheer them on, they're focused on Trump. But their allies, who are about to take office in control of the Senate, the House, and the Oval Office of the United States of America, they're distracted by the joy and the celebration and the giddiness of their newly acquired power. They're beside themselves. They can hardly believe that Joe Biden was elected because he's he's cognitively impaired. There's no question about that. I'm kind of surprised, too, to be honest with you. But while these people showed great interest in the limitations of our founders and our Constitution, when it came to reversing a presidential election, they have little interest, in fact, blatant disregard for First Amendment rights. They can approve on one side of their mouth the founding fathers and on the other side of their mouth declare them to be null and void. Interesting, this morning, President Trump said he announced through an aide on social media. He said this morning, about an hour ago, he said, I will not, he said, to all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. 
I don't know. I didn't have time to look this up, but I don't know if that's ever happened before where an outgoing president did not attend. I suppose it has, but if so, it'd be very, very rare. And um, I'm sure some of you will be looking that up, be, be interested. I, I will be, too, actually. I, I don't know if, if, I mean, if they died or something, but just choosing, making that decision, uh, that could be historic. But if not, not many have done that. But my point today is that there is a growing um, kind of a coalescing of the left, whether they are the media, the Michelle and Barack Obamas, the big tech media for sure. The government carved out a special arrangement for them so that they cannot be sued. They're not liable for the stuff that's on their platforms because in the beginning, just a few years ago, it was said that they would simply be carrying other people's comments and they would not be um, making editorial comments on their platform. Therefore, they were given by our government because they said they could not exist without that kind of protection. They were given, uh, I mean, it's there's more to it than this, but this is the bottom line. Uh, so they were given um, an exemption. I mean, they're, they're, they cannot be sued for liable for things that are on their their site. However, over the years, they've become now behemoth. I mean, Zuckerberg is worth, what, $30, $40 billion? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's unbelievable. But none of that would have happened had the government not enabled them. Now these guys have become monsters, these companies, social media companies, and now they're turning on the very government, if it's, uh, if it's conservative, that created them. It's kind of a Frankenstein thing. But anyway... That's what's going on. So they're being cheered on by the left. And I'm my concerns, and I know I'm right, my concerns are to alert all of us within the body of Christ and within the conservative biblical body of Christ that we need to be a little prepared for some pushback. Yesterday, Ron Klein, he's the political director of the far left, I would call him, ABC News, one of the big three. He's the political director of the news organization. He tweeted, <laughs> he tweeted a, a message, it's a rather long message, but he's openly calling for a, and this is his word, cleansing of Trump supporters. He appeared to be deliberately uh I mean, he, he was saying things that Stalin wrote and taught. It's kind of a, an eliminationist rhetoric that always comes from Stalin and Marx and these kinds of people, Lenin and so on. He's talking about, in, in, this is the, the political director of ABC News. He's talking about the, uh, the need to, as, in as tensions increase and divisions increase, he says Trump will be an ex-president in 13 days. The fact is that getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Cleansing the movement that he commands is going to be something else. This is the political director of ABC News. Cleansing the movement, that would be those who support Trump or have supported him as president. He says that will be something else. So he links to an article that he wrote, and it's all about the method of cleansing threats in society. 
cleansing the movement that he commands. This guy says, his name is Rick Klein, he is Trump, cleansing the movement that he commands or getting rid of what he represents to so many Americans is going to be something else. Back in June, President Donald Trump tweeted that he wanted everyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property to face punishment up to 10 years in prison. Of course, then he was threatening those in the streets protesting police violence and radical inequities with whom he disagreed. So they're casting Trump as a dictator who was opposed to the people that were burning and looting this Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Baltimore, you name it. We all lived through it and still are. But he is criticizing him for taking a position against the burning and looting and breaking that took place for all summer and, as I said, continues. But he is identifying anyone who supports and has supported Trump as needing to be cleansed from the culture. He is. I wouldn't even mention this if he was just some guy out here on the margin who had an idea. Everybody has an idea in America today. I wouldn't have taken the time, but this guy has influence, a lot of influence. I would suggest there's probably others in some of the, in NBC and CBS who feel the same way. They just haven't come out and said so. Some Republican lawmakers have pointed fingers at Antifa. There's a new story out today that says that, begins with this, and it's I saw it in at least, I think it was 13 different newspapers this morning. I know there's more. You'll probably see it show up in your local one if you read it. Some Republican lawmakers have pointed fingers at Antifa for the riot that erupted at the nation's capital on Wednesday. I'm quoting, but no evidence of the far-left group's involvement has emerged. (laughs) And then it goes on and on and on, and some of them are long, some of them not so long. They've already begun to cover that Trump caused this, Antifa had no part in it, and yet the pictures are abundant. It's a replay of the election. It's corrupt, and it's a lie. Yahoo News put out a, a, a piece this morning that says this, and Yahoo News is fairly widely read. It's AOL owns it. It says, for a handful of Republican lawmakers, the spectacle of a pro-Trump mob spurred on by the president's false claims of election fraud, storming the U.S. Capitol was enough to make them reconsider their role in seeking to block the certification of the Electoral College votes that confirmed Joe Biden had beaten Donald Trump. Then they named the ones that would not support Trump. Senators Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, I thought she did, James Lankford of Oklahoma, Steve Daines of Montana, and Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers of Washington broke ranks with Trump's plan to stop Biden from becoming the 46th president. It goes on to say, but for more Republicans in Congress, a mob inspired by the false hopes that they and the president have stoked for weeks was not reason enough to change their mind. And then they list all of those Republicans in the Senate and the House who stood for Trump and more importantly even stood for the fact that there was fraud in this last election that is intolerable. 
And they are they go ahead with this story to advocate, not directly, but it's certainly there embedded in the story, to advocate a kind of purging of these people from government. And they're putting these lists out there to target these people in upcoming elections. Ironically, a few days ago, Rasmussen put out a poll that said 72% of Republicans see Donald Trump as the model for the party's future. Rasmussen wrote this, when the Republican Party reorganizes itself into this new year, GOP voters strongly believe President Trump should remain the role model, but most think the party should look for a new face to be its next presidential candidate. 72% of likely Republican voters think their party should be more like Trump than the average GOP member of Congress. 24% see the average Republican in Congress as a better model. So 72% of the 75 million people that voted for Trump feel that they want someone like him, but perhaps and probably younger in upcoming elections. I only share that with you to tell you that there is the two, the division in America is getting deeper. It's not coming together. And people are deciding what they believe and why they believe it. And for some, it's costly. This morning, Simon & Schuster, they're one of the big publishers in America and in the world, really, they announced that they're canceling, this morning, they're canceling Senator Hawley's book amid the insurrection fallout. Senator Josh Hawley was one of the leaders. He and Ted Cruz are the two senators who organized that group of, I think there were 12, that were all set to um, take on this corruption in the election, in the Electoral College vote uh, episode yesterday or on Wednesday, on Thursday, Wednesday. He was one of the leaders of this. He has steadfastly gone on televisions and said there was corruption in the election, and we've got to get to the bottom of it because it's going to ruin our democracy. Yes, he supported Trump, but even more so, he supported the Constitution of the United States of America and it was not supporting the far left. So now, Simon & Schuster has canceled the publishing of his book. The company's decision, they said, to cancel his book, that it was not good for public consumption at this time. He went on to say, Hawley said, it may be worth noting that while the First Amendment does not guarantee people the right to free, not only to uh, so supply the first pe- the first uh, the people the first amendment to the right free uh, right to free speech he said it doesn't grant anyone the right to a book deal so I'll move on and we'll do something else but i will tell you these are the kinds of storm clouds that are gathering in our culture today tucker carlson spoke about this kind of thing not long ago i think it was 2 days ago i think it was day before yesterday He spoke to the concerns regarding our rights and our freedoms under the Constitution. He says as long as people sincerely believe they can change things by voting, they stay calm. They don't storm the Bastille. But the opposite is also true, he says. If people begin to believe their democracy is fraudulent, if they conclude that voting is a charade, 
that the system is rigged and it's run by a small group of powerful, dishonest people who are acting in their own interest, then God only knows what can happen. He said, actually, we do know what can happen. It's happening right now. It's happened countless other countries over countless centuries, and the cycle is always the same because human nature never changes. In the face of dissent, the first instinct of illegitimate leadership is to crack down on the population. But crackdowns never make things better. Instead, it always makes the country more volatile and more dangerous. He called it the Romanov program. It is. He's right. But what happens when these people find it concerning that biblical Christians, including biblical pastors, deeply held religious beliefs, their sermons, perhaps? What happens when these people on the left, who are now in power, when they decide that it's concerning that people are preaching in churches and people are believing and living out in their lives biblical principles that conflict with their principles and their views on, say, abortion. That's a woman's right. They have the right to do that under the Constitution, they say. So those of us who are pro-life, how long will it be before we're called before the judge What about if we believe that marriage is only between a man and a woman? What about if we say that out loud and live that out in our life? What if we're a florist in Richland named Baronelle Stutzman? Oh, that's already happened. She very politely declined several years ago to do the flowers for a same-sex so-called marriage. And Bob Ferguson, the Attorney General of Washington State, has made her life hell ever since then. They've almost broken her back financially because she did not agree with the beliefs of the state. We need to be informed. We need to be aware. But don't run by from fear and don't hide because of fear. So what do we do? Remember the song we used to sing in church, and some of you who may have grown up in church like I did, you'll remember this. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. One of the verses says, When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes me free. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. There's an interesting story behind that. I want to leave you with that today and think about it over the weekend we'll continue our conversation of course on monday here the lord willing russell kelso carter he was a star athlete in a military academy excellent student academically he went on to become a very successful teacher and a coach in fact then he felt like he wanted to be a pastor he said he was a christian he spent some years preparing and was for several years an ordained methodist minister after that he went to medical school bright guy he spent the, la- the latter part of his professional years as a doctor of medicine. But he was found to have a severe heart issue, and he was told by his fellow medical people, doctors, that he would not live. At age 30, his health was in critical condition. And one day, one day, he decided to get on his knees and get real with God whom he said he knew, but he knew in his heart he didn't know. He got on his knees and he opened his heart to God and he asked Jesus Christ to come into his life, although he was a quote-unquote Christian, according to his identity. But after that, his life changed. 
Jesus Christ transformed his life, and he said, God, I will serve you whether you heal me or not. I'm going to simply stand on your promises, whatever the outcome is. The outcome in his case, the outcome in his case was he was healed.